Section 5 of Shen of the Sea, a book for children. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Shen of the Sea, a book for children, by Arthur Bowie Chrisman. By a Father. The street of Wang's Broken Teacup lies between Seven Thieves Market and the Long Wharf where ship bottoms from all the world, and, as some say, the moon, discharge their varied cargoes. Queer sights are so excessively common there that the phoenix bird lighting a match to his feathers would, probably, excite only ordinary interest. Nevertheless, the people do possess eyes, and they are provided with ears. Now and again they can be made to open those eyes and sharpen those ears into eager hearing. The ridiculous, in especial, rouses their attention." there was the wit-wandering beggar Wang Fu as an instance. Wang Fu walked in the street of Wang's broken teacup, bearing a great bundle of bamboo switches upon his back, and shouting thunderously, Who'll buy? Who'll buy? What young man wishes to buy him a father? Whereat several persons gathered, laughing. I, Wang Fu, will sell myself as a father to any young man for only five cash. The crowd and the laughter increased. Who'll buy a pretty father? An orphan may have me for only one cash. A most excellent father I'll be to my son. I promise to beat him twice each day. Of every hundred cash he earns, I'll take only ninety-nine, and he may keep one. I'll even let him sleep upon warm ashes in the bed-stove. Ho, young men, come by, come by! The shopkeepers left their stalls unguarded as they gathered around Wang Fu to mock and express their not-flattering opinions. Surely, said they, this is the oddest fellow we have had in a long while. He must think our young men are silly as Ko Chi, who scrabbled in the deep snow of January searching for plums. Ho, ho, ho! Was there ever anything more ridiculous? A pretty father he would make, pretty indeed! A crowd of boys assembled to have sport with the fantastic beggar. "'Here, most honorable father, here is five cash, and I will be your dutiful son.' A richly dressed youth held out some money to Wang Fu. But when Wang Fu grabbed at it, the boy shut his hand and ran away swiftly, cackling in well-pleased laughter. After him plunged the greedy beggar, his tattered clothing flapping like strings on a scarecrow. A bystander put out a foot. The old man tripped heels over head in the deep black mud. Then the crowd slip-slapped on, mildly interested in a fight between Wan the Hunchback, who had only one leg, and a blackamoor who had no arms. The boy Ah Tzu, an orphan, approached Wang and tugged to assist him. The beggar's rags tore away by the handful. A train of laden donkeys labored down the street. "'Oh, good man, you must get out of this,' shouted Atsu, pulling. "'The donkeys will shred your flesh from the bone. Come! "'You will buy me for a father?' "'Certainly. Now see if you cannot arise.' Atsu pulled manfully, and the contrary old beggar moved his limbs in helping. The two staggered aside just in time to avoid being trampled. "'Where shall we go, father? Where is your house?' asked Atsu. "'In the street of the place where the cow lost her horn,' answered Wang Fu. "'And don't walk so fast, my son, else I shall beat you.' 
the house of Wang Fu was luxurious in the extreme. A goat could have leapt through any one of a dozen holes in the walls. The roof was made of straw so thin that the rain demon Yu Shi laughed at it, and the stars peered in nightly. There was no kang, bed stove, no table. Chairs were lacking. For furniture, it had a heap of bean straw in a corner, a dozen bricks in another corner, a cupboard on the wall. Thus was the house of Wang Fu furnished. Wang Fu sat upon earthen floor and bade Ah Tzu to do likewise. "'My son,' said the beggar, "'this is your future home, and excellent it is. This is your home, provided you prove worthy. But I warn you, I am hard to please. A son of mine must be as prompt as Ching Chi, as devoted as Wei Cheng, as brave as Meng Fu. Faithful and honest must my son be. You must ask no questions and do as I say. Otherwise I shall beat you and turn you out in the street. Open the cupboard and bring me a bundle of straw. Ah Tzu obeyed. His new father continued. Braid this straw into a pair of sandals, work swiftly and have them finished by the time I return, and give me what money you have so that I may purchase food. Atsu turned over his tiny bag of money. Then his fingers worked nimbly braiding the straw. Wang Fu returned in a very few minutes. His face was purple, his voice pitched high. What? Yashu, idle rascal, are you not finished? Well, you shall get no dinner till you complete the sandals. With that, he put down a silver tray and began to eat. On the tray was roast duck. There was celery and tea-soaked eggs and rice and bean sprouts and brine-aged cabbage and almonds and garlic and many other dish of equal goodness. Wang Fu's teeth clicked busily. Every few seconds he grunted his satisfaction. Ah Tzu braided straw. The silver tray was emptied long before Atsu completed his task. Finally, here, my father, are the sandals, and I hope they will be to your liking. Wang Fu gazed. They are not very well braided, but perhaps in time you will learn. Reach in the cupboard and get a bean cake for your dinner. Atsu searched in the cupboard and found a small, hard, dry bean cake. Here, give me half of it ordered the queer father. I am still hungry. The old fellow took at least three-fourths of the cake, all but a portion that had been nibbled by mice. Then he put on his new sandals, took up the tray, and departed. Do not go out, he admonished Atsu. Stay here and guard the house against thieves. The door closed behind him. Just what a thief could have desired in that house would be hard to decide, Nevertheless, Atsu stayed close at home that night and the following day, and the night that came after. During the second night, three men came to the door and tried to gain entrance, saying that they must have gold. Atsu fanned about him so earnestly with a cudgel that all three were piled in a heap on the threshold. They went away limping and howling, one holding his hands to his pate, as if troubled with Nao Tai Teng as if troubled with head-aching badly. The next day saw Wang Fu's return. He asked Ah Tzu many questions, and Ah Tzu answered them. But the boy showed no inquisitiveness about the large bandage round Wang Fu's head, nor did he ask questions about Wang's bundle. The beggar finally opened his bundle, and from it took food. 
he shared the food with his son, and this time he himself ate little. This time Ah Tzu had sufficient. When the meal was finished, the beggar again opened his bundle and disclosed garments such as very young babies wear. Put on these garments, my son. They will make you look many years younger. And I, seeing my son so young, will feel the years drop from my shoulders and be again in the prime of my manhood, at least ten years younger. Ah Tzu did as he was told. Cha Tia Tia, certainly, Papa. On went the small garments. Now, Ah Tzu, we'll go for a walk. Here is a calabash for you to rattle. They went into the street, ten steps, and a crowd gathered. Such jeering, such laughter. Ho, ho, ho! Here is old back-of-the-hand turned down, a beggar, and his infant son. What a pretty baby! Tia, tia, has your baby cut his teeth? Atsu rattled his calabash and tried hard to keep from blushing. Wang Fu sauntered on in utter unconcern. When they reached Seven Thieves' Market, all shopkeepers boarded up their stalls, thinking a mob had come to plunder. At home once more, Wang Fu produced more food and told Atsu to eat. Then he cupped his hand to his ear as if listening. I thought I heard someone shout my name. There it is a second time. He dashed out. At the door, a bag fell from his girdle. The bag flew open, and from it rolled rubies and pearls, to a value of at least ten bars of gold. Ah Tzu called to his father, but receiving no answer, he hastily gathered up the baubles and hid them. Night came, but with it no father. When the moon had been set for an hour, a noise brought Ah Tzu to his feet. The thieves? Let them come. The boy was expecting some such visitation. He had a stouter club and a kettle of hot water in readiness. There was little short of murder done in the street of the place where the cow lost her horn. Ah Tzu had eaten strengthening food that night. Though he wore the clothes of an infant, that is no sign that his arm was the arm of an infant. Such howling! Old Wang Fu merely grunted when he received the bag of rubies and pearls. Counting them, he said, I thought there were fifty large pearls, and he gazed keenly at Ah Tzu, as if he expected to see a guilty flush. He was disappointed. I did not count them, my father. All that I found I put in the bag. The beggar grunted. So, here is the missing one, but perhaps there were fifty-one. Look outside the door. You may find another. As Ah Tzu sifted the earth, his nostrils told him of a smoke. Even as he straightened up, Wang Fu rushed from the house. No need to yell fire. Flames were darting like dragon's tongues out of the thatch, out of the walls. The old beggar ran in a circle, screaming, Now what shall I crack nuts on? What? What? Oh, oh, oh! Atsu, my son, get me the brick that lies on the floor in the northeast corner. The brick! The brick! Ah Tzu thought it strange that his father should set such a high value on a brick. But strange or not strange, an order was an order, to be obeyed. Shielding his face with a sleeve, he entered the house. Wisps of burning straw fell upon him. Smoke seared his eyes. Smoke gripped his throat, periling his life. Straight he went to the farthest corner. He stooped, a quick dash. He was safe beyond the door. Atsu's task had been accomplished. 
he handed to his father a brick, a worthless yellow brick, a chipped and fissured brick. For that he had been made to risk his life. Wang Fu spoke no word of praise. He did not so much as look at Atsu. Only a close observer could have noticed that his lips quivered ever so slightly. Finally, he said, I have one more errand for you, my son. Then you may rest. See, I have lost the string that bound my cue. Go you to the emperor and ask his majesty for an old ribbon. Tell the emperor you wish to borrow a cue ribbon for Wang Fu the beggar. Sadly troubled, Atsu hastened toward the palace. He had every reason for thinking that his impudent request would gain him not a ribbon for Wang Fu, but a rope for his own neck, and death for Wang Fu. It was the hour when Shang Tianhao, the emperor, sat in public audience. Any citizen might approach the throne. The aspen leaves never tremble so violently as Atsu trembled, kneeling before his monarch. With much stammering, he stated the business that brought him. All the time his forehead was tight-pressed to the floor. Strangely enough, the emperor made no beckon to the executioner. Instead, he smiled and said, No, my son, I shan't give you a ribbon for old Wang Fu. He no longer exists. However, I shall give you ribbons aplenty and fine clothing for your own wear. You must learn that I, being without heir, dressed as a beggar, and wandered the streets to find me a son brave as Meng, pure as Pao Shu, and devoted as Wei. Such I found in you. No longer are you Ah Tzu, the orphan. Henceforth you are Lie Shi, hero, and beloved son of Xian Tian Hao, the emperor. End of section 5